name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. In six weeks, we will celebrate the resurrection of our Lord at Easter. In the Eastern Church, Easter is called Pascha, or Passover. We are celebrating uh, the Passover of death. We are celebrating that death has passed over us in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if we are going to celebrate that resurrection, we're going to feel that new life, if we're going to feel that sense of joy and relief when we wake up and find that the angel of death has passed over us and we have been preserved into everlasting life, for us to do that, we have to really feel Uh, unfortunately, the terror of the coming of the angel of death. We have to experience uh, that real knowledge and understanding that uh, death is the consequence of our sin. And we have to understand that this sin is real and that its uh, results are real. For us to really do that, then we have to experience it on Good Friday. We have to celebrate and keep Good Friday. It will be essential for our Easter celebration And for us to really experience Good Friday and the gift that our Lord does in taking our sins upon him on the cross, um, we have to have cataloged our own sins. We have to have been uh, dealing with them face to face. We have to uh, engage in that self-examination and repentance that we are called into for a holy Lent. So through self-examination, repentance, and a holy Lent, we will come to Good Friday understanding that we cannot remove these sins of, 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 and stains of death and that Christ is doing that for us because of his love for us. So this is the process, this is the program of this Holy Lent. And the picture that we have of coming out of uh, 40 days of uh, this washing, 40 days of this preparation, 40 days of this cleansing starts with the prophet Noah. Noah is the first of these periods of 40 that we see over and over again with uh, Noah and the flood and with the nation of Israel and their 40 years in the wilderness. These are times of preparation. These are times of cleansing. These are times of the Lord saying, "Um, I'm going to bring you and align you um, perhaps through um, great difficulty and suffering into my will. And he is the one who is bringing us out. And it's by his action that he is preserving us. So um, for us to not forget that um, this Lent and this practice isn't going to be our work and our effort and cleansing ourselves from sin, but this is God's plan that we are participating in, right? This is his bath that he is offering. And uh, what we need to do is participate in the bath, right? We could fight and jump out, uh, but we need to participate. We need to stay in the boat, right? This is what Noah does. Not only is he a righteous man, uh, not only does he save his family, right, but he stays in the boat, right? And this is what we need to do um, through Lent. It is the Lord's covenant. It's his promise. And and we see this clearly in Genesis chapter 9, right? Um, The Lord says, I've established my covenant with you. And he is saving not only the eight in the boat, but he is saving all of creation, right? He says, I'm saving all of the creatures that were on the ark with you. And he says, I am saving all the creatures in the world. So his salvation, his covenant is made with all of creation. And this is uh, what makes Noah then a type for Christ. Typology is very important for us 
in um, Christianity. It's very important that we understand typology. It's very under, important that we um, think about typology. That is that Noah is a type for Christ. He is um, a prophet for Christ and that he gives an example of what Christ is going to do, right? His life is saying, see, this is what Christ is going to accomplish. Typology starts um, as does everything with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who stands at the middle of history, right? And Jesus says, uh, if you want to know what I'm going to do, look at Jonah, right? Just the way that Jonah was three days in the belly of the sea monster, so I will be in the belly of the earth. I will be in death, right? He says, if you want to understand what I'm going to accomplish on the cross, think about Moses and the snake on the stick, right? I will be held up like the snake on the stick for the healing of the people. So Jesus in inaugurates for us and gives us this understanding of typology that all these figures of the Old Testament who had gone before are preparing for us and are prefiguring us for the understanding of what it is that Jesus accomplishes. So he, um, like uh, the Lord putting Noah into the ark, is putting us into this ark. He is putting us into the church. He is putting us into this sanctuary while he cleanses and washes the world and he would set us on dry land, set apart for his glory. And he again um, establishes this in his baptism, not because he needs baptism, not because he needs washing from sin, but because he is washing the waters of all of creation. When Jesus descends into the waters of baptism, he is doing all the things that Noah did, but he's doing it in a kind of of reverse negative, right? He is, um, instead of rising above the waters, he is taking all of creation down into the waters. And then he is bringing all of creation out, right? Through his humanity, he has taken the humanity from the Virgin Mary, he's taken all of humanity, all of creation with him, and he has brought it out into everlasting life. And when he does this, then we get this um, picture of the Holy Trinity. We get this uh, reminder of the Holy Trinity with the voice of the Father speaking and with the Holy Spirit descending uh, like a dove. We get Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all together at the accomplishment of the waters of baptism, of us being brought out into eternal life. And so we are called to participate in that washing. And when we do, we participate with the Holy Trinity, which is really important. Sometimes we think of uh, the idea of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as this idea, and we have to think the right way about God. We have to think the right way about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But what we're called to do is to live with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are called to discern the will of the Father. We're called to discern his will, to listen for his voice, to see his plan for the world, to see his plan for us. We're called to live with the Son, to be walking with him, to be obedient to the Father along with the Son. So we're walking hand in hand with the Son. We're walking into obedience the way that Jesus is perfectly obedient with the power of the Holy Spirit filling us, right? We are waiting, cultivating the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So we are living, we are living in concert with Holy Trinity. We are constantly living with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit Every day. This is not a theory in our minds. This is a practice of our lives and of our hearts. And it is uh, scary and dangerous. This is not a, an easy, secure, boring kind of a life. Uh, notice what the Holy Spirit does 
with Jesus as soon as he comes up out of the waters. What does it say? The Spirit drives him into the wilderness. Eek! Is what I think every time I read that. I think, oh no. <laughs> Driving him out into the wilderness to be tempted. Right? This is interesting because we pray in the Lord's Prayer, right? Um, save us from temptation. Lead us away from temptation. Um, which the Lord does. But, you know, the, the prayer isn't make temptation no longer, you know, in my life, right? It's not like we're just not in the world and like we never see anything that we're tempted by anymore. That's not the case, right? What we're praying for is that we have the strength to resist temptation, that we have the discipline, that we establish the habits in our lives so that we are able to be around temptation and we are able to listen to the voice of the Father, right? According to the life of the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's very interesting that uh, the, the gospeler mentions that he is there with angels and with wild animals. It's almost like those Donald Duck cartoons, you know, uh, where Donald is tempted, you know, and uh, he's got the good angel on one shoulder and he's got the little devil Donald on the other soldier and they're trying to tell him what to do, right? Um, and, and, and sometimes this is, you know, the way that I see these wild animals and these angels, right? There's the, the wild animals that are totally on instinct, right? If we live our lives like wild animals, we fall into to depravity, right? We are called to, to have self-control, to have self-discipline, right? The angels, too, though, seem to have a kind of instinct. They seem to live by a kind of, of holy instinct with the Father. They don't seem to be in the kind of place of having to develop habits the way that we do. And so Jesus stands in the middle with our humanity linked to his divinity, and he is showing us how we are supposed to live in concert with the Holy Spirit, how we are supposed to be working and developing these habits of life, these ways of living where we experience the Holy Trinity in daily life, and so that we are able to walk through these temptations of the world unscathed. We do not live by instinct. We live by the development of holy habits through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what uh, St. Peter seems to be saying in this really kind of interesting way of describing um, uh, baptism. I'm not sure that there's another place in Scripture that describes baptism quite the way that St. Peter does. He calls baptism an appeal to God. That's an interesting way of thinking about baptism, isn't it? An appeal to God. This is in 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 21. He says, first of all, baptism, which corresponds to this. So St. Peter is doing typology as well, right? He's just talked about Noah, and he's just talked about the flood, and he's saying our baptism corresponds to Noah and the flood. So he's done that typology for us, right? He's done it again, this typological reading of, of the Hebrew scriptures. And then he says that when we participate the way that Noah did, when we um, descend into those waters of baptism and we come out, we're appealing to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus. Baptism is an appeal. Right? An appeal is what we make when we are, we are desperate. Right? An appeal is what you make to a judge when you say, 
I, I'm guilty, but I'm asking, I'm appealing, I'm begging for mercy, right? We're entering an appeal with the Father through our baptism saying, we want to receive the benefits of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We want to receive the benefits of his resurrection. It's not the evidence of our works. It's not our effort. It's not anything that, that we've done to earn it. We're saying that we're appealing to the mercy of the Father that we receive the benefits of the Son's resurrection. That's what we're doing this link. We're appealing to God. This appeal is through self-examination and repentance. By prayer, fasting, the giving of alms, and the reading of God's holy word. We're appealing to God through fasting, almsgiving, prayer, and the reading of God's word. These are the ways in which we will enter into the life of Christ and to his resurrection and be gathered to him in glory on the last day. Thanks be to God. Amen.